This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre, the show where we discuss the tools and techniques you need to be at the forefront of the ever-evolving world of business. This is Audrey Raj. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by the Deputy Vice-Chancellor and Chief Innovation Officer at Asia-Pacific University of Technology and Innovation. And we're going to be talking about the recent changes to the way higher education institutions are looking at learning. Now, we've embraced online learning or digital learning, and so have the current generation of students. But what's next? How has the pandemic changed the way our kids are educated, the way educators deliver education, and the way industry participates in the whole mix? And how relevant will basic degrees be in the near future, or should we be focused on a more skills-based approach? Well, to answer these questions is Professor Vinesh. Yeah, uh, my name is Professor Vinesh Tiruchalbam. I am actually the uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor at Asia-Pacific University of Technology and Innovation. And I have a double role. I'm also the Chief Innovation Officer uh, for the APIT Education Group that basically runs uh, the university. All right, Professor, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Now, um, we've heard a lot of rumblings about online education over the last year or so. Uh, and of course, there were struggles initially, especially the early part of this pandemic. But how is the higher education industry doing today? Uh, are we finally settled amidst this pandemic? Yeah, that's a, that's a very current hot top, topic uh, in the industry of uh, education. So the novel uh, coronavirus has basically impacted higher education more than uh, any other event in, in, in the history, I would say, of education. Uh, and this has actually put uh, the future of many institutions in, in doubt. So the entire industry uh, has been forced to restructure uh, seemingly overnight. You know, we've done it at, even at my university. Uh, given the urgency to react, uh, any college or university for that matter uh, should be applauded uh, for the sort of adaptability that they've brought in over the last uh, uh, 12 to 16 months, the innovation and obviously the tireless uh, response efforts from every single academician, administrator, uh, going all the way to uh, a university leadership. Now, that said, uh, there are many existing challenges uh, that are going to be uh, faced, uh, not only from 2020. Uh, some of them are not even new, but the pandemic has actually forced institutions to uh, finally reckon with the uh, fundamental of true value of higher education and that is a deep dive into uh, a student's perspective. So with the advantage of many lessons uh, learned from from 2020 and also early part of uh, 2021, uh, it is now time to have conversations actually uh, on how our institutions of higher education uh, not only survive but also thrive in the coming years ahead so enrollment is a is a is a vital uh, point uh, to any success uh, to a university, uh, also in terms of uh, the quality and and how the university uh, outlook is uh, portrayed. But uh, the enrollment itself is the future new dynamics and how we bring students back onto campus and how we nurture them and how we deliver uh, programs and curriculums that suit their uh, ambitions for the future. 
Yeah, and I think uh, everything is now going to evolve uh, against and for uh, students' involvement uh, and evolving uh, expectations, basically. Mm. So what does um, education look like right now in 2021? Is it a hybrid situation happening? Uh, and what is the conversation like about what uh, education is going to look like for the rest of this year and you know, for the coming years with the pandemic still uh, in the background? So if you look at 2020 uh, and also the first quarter of 2021, uh, there were quick pivots to online uh, learning and that slowly moved on to hybrid learning. And these have been necessary adaptations. Uh, but we, what we also detect is uh, a lot of uh, institutions are also struggling uh, to respond to overall uh, student and parent expectations. Yeah? So as a result, those institutions have been working harder than ever before, I can say, to deliver high-touch, high not high-tech, yeah? high-touch educational services, uh, but adding the point of experiencing uh, the trust and uh, answering all questions which are relevant to the student's experience for an education on campus, whether it's on campus or even remote, yeah? and also the rising costs of education uh, per se. So the forward uh, pathway uh, lies in, in gaining a better uh, database perspective uh, on, on, on uh, customer expectations. So here the customer is actually the students and the parents. See? And uh, the adaptation to new technologies uh, for education especially adopting the correct ones, uh, is the current experience that every institution is uh, facing. Yeah? And there are still institutions that lack funding and tech direction uh, in addressing the, addressing the tech needs for education delivery. So my uh, personal uh, look ahead is that there should be a task force uh, consortium or a council for digital education delivery to ensure that it is uniform uh, you can have your USPs and your uniqueness, but uh, on, a, on a methodology and in terms of uh, the context itself, it should be uniform and no student should go on any uh, sort of shortfall uh, in terms of education delivery. So there are a lot of uh, uh, talk about hybrid learning because that's now uh, the next point post-e-learning. Uh, and what we see in the coming future, uh, which is already happening now and definitely in 2020, is the uh, result of travel restrictions and social distancing. So a lot of uh, uh, experience uh, will change in terms of student uh, experience on campus or for the education itself. Now, if I look at the higher education uh, sector uh, in terms of these uh, elements, it is no different. Uh, they rely heavily uh, on e-learning uh, or digital uh, uh, online learning uh, to continue the, uh, the education process. So education should not stop. See? Uh, and And... While we are undergoing these travel restrictions, this uh, implementation of SOPs and social distancing, uh, the best way forward is to utilize e-learning to a degree where it is adopted uh, in a slow manner, but it moves on in a gradual uh, uh, form whereby it is part of the norm. Yeah, And, and the perception of face-to-face uh, -face or traditional learning uh, was always superior to digital approach approaches. But going forward, they need, there needs to be a blend between both. Yeah? Uh, and, then, and that's where the encouragement of the advancement of uh, technology uh, will be further used in the uh, remote or e-learning process. So before the pandemic, online learning environment, it existed as, a, as, a, as I can, if I can uh, 
contextualized in three words. Uh, it's just a virtual filing cabinet. But now uh, it is it is not only a norm; it is part of the new uh, wave of education delivery. And I and I, I don't see this as a temporary solution. Uh, this is a is an is an imminent issue that will uh, definitely uh, it's here to stay. Yeah. Now, I always figured that the education sector, or at least the uh, tertiary education sector, would have had a leg up on that pivot to online learning because we've had courses, distance learning courses going on for, for decades now, right? For years now. Uh, was that the case? Uh, did the experience help? Yes. Uh, basically, what, what the pandemic has done is it, it has uh, steamrolled uh, things that were going to be eventually in place. Yeah? Because we're not only talking about uh, the, what has happened uh, prior to this, whereby there was a growth of, of uh, online learning in place as part of uh, one method of delivery and also one method of student uh, receiving education. So actually those who, who wanted to work and study could actually go and take online courses uh, and build and stack up their, their modules and courses uh, before they actually achieve their degree. But those places and also specialized courses whereby it was short, it was short courses and uh, more into skills development was already in place. But if you look at uh, tomorrow's students, right, the future students, uh, they want everything with a touch of a button, convenience. Yeah, they want it affordable. Uh, they have the 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 control on weighing options uh, beyond academia. So, what universities or colleges? Uh, should do, uh, and, and they are doing it right now, is to make permanent, visible, and meaningful uh, commitments to, to supporting this core generation's values uh, in, in how they want education to be delivered to them. You know? So basically, the, the principles is that stu- students will demand uh, more than the words that they can put into uh, context. You know? They seek authenticity. They, they seek transparency. Uh, they want to see how campuses uh, are going to commit uh, to the new wave of education. And, and strictly, this is a utilitarian uh, approach uh, that, that will take its form and, and it, will be, it will be commanding in terms of uh, education delivery. So we have, we have to evolve yeah? uh, to a, a more uh, reactive uh, ma- manner at this moment, but in the coming future, it will action out as a, a permanent uh, state of delivery. And, you know, you gotta, and what I also say is that uh, the leaders of institutions are actually stewards, yeah, and and, and university leaders should be centered on uh, basically uh, student stewardship. That means they need to build future uh, graduates that are uh, adopted into the industry, but are industry ready based on the type of uh, curriculums, the type of programs that are embedded with with uh, technology that allows them to be part of technology when they get into the workforce as well. So students are. are, are uh, are basically uh, change makers. So it is not the pandemic, it is they themselves who are, you know, now uh, basically the one and demand of uh, online learning or hybrid learning for that matter. Uh, it is less of face-to-face uh, or at least a blend of it uh, for the coming future. Mm. And what about the role of an educator? Uh, how has that evolved in the last year and how do you see that continuing to evolve in the years to come? Yeah, so educators... Uh, uh, there, there are two uh, sets of them. Do you have old school educators who are very, uh, uh, they thrive and they, they perform brilliantly uh, in a classroom face to face. And then you've got the youngish educators uh, who have just come into the industry 
uh, let's say over the last five to eight years, who who also are part of that generation whereby they can think and and in uh, and fill the shoes of the students and say that hey, this is now the the method that I'm looking forward. So for the context of uh, delivery experts, right? Uh, I think it's it has been strenuous and inexpedient uh, for academicians who are who aren't used to living online, of and, and it was always difficult in finding a way to be connected with students while also maintaining a work-life balance. So moving forward, whether it's online fully or in a hybrid mode, these challenges uh, for the old schoolers uh, will continue. But in general, on an overall uh, perspective, more educators will learn to overcome them. So from a learner's perspective, uh, the major challenge is actually uh, uh, with respect to online learning uh, is, is having the digital literacy uh, to adopt uh, what is being uh, delivered to them. So academicians cannot see and gauge student online performance based on distractions that are happening. So the other form is the distractions that are happening to the learner. So the students are being distracted uh, and this is because they are at home and they are in their own premise and you know they are, they are not used to uh, 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 independency. They are very used to it, uh, a disciplined classroom. So now this impact of learning is ambivalent. So Education is will not no longer just be built on on a very constructed and structured syllabus. It has to be uh, a bit more uh, evolving, whereby uh, online platforms, recordings, videos will 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 definitely di- diminish the ability uh, uh, to to have that face to face contact, whereby you can also be very independent in your form of learning as well. So I think you put this together, uh, both both. Uh, Parties, yeah, the educator and the learner will uh, move ahead uh, in tandem uh, to, to fulfill uh, what is now the, the new norm of blended and hybrid learning. All right, it's time for us to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we discuss the role of industry in higher education moving forward, as well as the move towards skills-based learning and how attractive this is to potential employers. All this and more coming up on Resource Centre. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Be free-minded, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me right now is Professor Dr. Vinesh Thiruchelvam, Deputy Vice-Chancellor and Chief Innovation Officer at Asia-Pacific University of Technology and Innovation. And we are discussing higher education today throughout this pandemic and, of course, higher education for tomorrow. Now, Professor, uh, let's talk about industry. How important is it for higher education providers to collaborate with industry? Yeah, so industry uh, is part of academia. Uh, They cannot be uh, uh, disconnected. So in any uh, well-established institution, um, academia and and, and, and the universities, they they have to come together. And it's priceless to have uh, the industry on board on campus. Uh, because many universities now have uh, this panel. We call it the industry advisory panel. Now, these panels, they don't have to meet often, but the value they bring in is tremendous. 
uh, and and these insights that they share can help us uh, academicians and also the universities in ensuring that correct graduates are produced for employment purpose. Because the entire journey of education uh, has only one goal, and that goal goes beyond just uh, your scroll and your degrees. It, it goes into job placements. So the industry has has a say definitely in curriculum content, in projects that students do, uh, the research not only by the students but also by the academicians. Uh, they are also a guide, you know, uh, to academicians. There are a lot of uh, lecturer emulsion in the industry which is going on. Uh, there's a lot of mentoring of students uh, which are going on. And of course, the industry are the hiring uh, people. Yeah. So I think uh, we'll see more collaboration between universities. And in the future, if I go beyond just the employment part and the mentoring and guidance, but also universities and tech partners uh, to provide students and teachers or, or, or lecturers with the necessary technology, training, tools, hardware, software to ensure that they can thrive in any any form of teaching and learning environment. And many have learned the hard lesson uh, that they can't simply assume that we are sat at home with a laptop and a stellar uh, Wi-Fi uh, connectivity. Uh, the new ballgame of teaching and learning and providing access uh, is beyond that. Uh, it will also look at the emphasis of the style of delivery and what you can use technology as an uh, approach of blended learning. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I keep hearing uh, this term competence-based education being thrown about. Uh, can you explain what that is? And, and uh, do you think uh, this is important moving forward? Yeah, so competence-based education, or in short, they, I think they, they also call it CBE, is not a new trend. Uh, it has received a lot of attention over the last few years as more institutions develop programs to address uh, CBE. Uh, first and foremost, competence-based uh, learning focuses on the learner as an individual. So you don't focus uh, the whole set of students as a group, but you focus on the learner as an individual. And it provides opportunities for each individual to develop skills at their own pace. And, and they collaborate with one another. They can also collect evidence of learning and become, uh, which is part of one of the, the key outputs, which is uh, lifelong learners. Yeah? So we have... Actually, uh, you know, even in, in my institution, we have developed uh, micro-credentials. So micro-credentials is one way of uh, supporting uh, competence-based learning because if you look at from the angle of skills development, uh, it has gained a lot of popularity with learners uh, simply because micro-credentials have a flexible structure. Uh, they are affordable. And, and these programs actually uh, develop competencies, um, applications to a certain type of uh, career portfolio. So what is unique about uh, CBE is that it focuses on what students learn and not too much on the time spent in a classroom completing, say, credit hours. Yeah? So in this approach, students uh, work at their own pace. You know, uh, They can de demonstrate uh, mastery, uh, take their skills to a mastery level for their chosen field of study. And um, the five key areas are flexibility, you know, it's self-paced, it's engaging, uh, it's affordable, and it takes you to that well-rounded skills uh, development. So what we do at APU is basically micro-credentials serve as part of the profiling of the graduate. So you, you could be doing one degree uh, in social sciences, and then you take up tech courses from the uh, tech side of things. And that keeps you that, that well-rounded, uh, uh, and you profile yourself so that you become more marketable in terms of employment. 
Hmm. Okay, because um, I know there's been plenty of calls for apprenticeship-based programs or skill-based uh, programs. I think it was IBM also that came up with uh, what they call new-collar jobs, uh, where you are trained for a specific set of skills so that you are more relevant to uh, industry and can actually shift across industries as well, right? So I guess this competence-based education or these micro-credentials is kind of uh, like a hybrid of sorts uh, of, of actually taking up apprenticeships uh, or, or skill-based learnings. Is that making sense to you? Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that's one way of looking at it, uh, definitely for sure. Because What's happening is that you come up with a, a very general degree, uh, even though it's in a specialized area. But when you actually go into the working world, how much do you actually apply? And does it fit the actual job that you're doing? So a lot of the companies actually have the apprenticeship and, and, and training uh, programs built in into their uh, graduate uh, inclusion uh, in their first year of working or, their sec- or maybe over three years. And that suits them to the job uh, that they'll actually be doing. But a lot of companies now are actually also advising institutions that a lot of these elements should be actually part of the curriculum. And that is a tough challenge for us because we have the core uh, body of knowledge to embed into the curriculum. And then here you also have the industry's requirement uh, to put into the curriculum. So that entire massaging of the curriculum happens on a yearly basis, if you ask me, actually. Oof. Okay. Now, um, just before I, I let you go, Professor, you know, are there um, characteristics or soft skills that um, universities should try to inculcate into fresh graduates uh, today? Yeah. So, soft skills is not is not uh, something new. It has uh, been pushed very in depth uh, in all the curriculums because it's mandated. Uh, we talk about globalization. We talk about hybrid and online learning. We have multiple focal points in the current education system, as I said earlier, uh, that ensures strong presence of uh, soft skills. But yet, employers do still complain that graduates lack soft skills. And one of the highest uh, uh, percentage of one area is actually weak uh, communication skills. But the the true challenge of the future is actually communication skills in the digital world. And uh, will that improve uh, against the face-to-face setting that we had previously uh, as traditional learning? Uh, my take is that it will uh, definitely improve uh, because we are, as part of the education over three to four years, we are already going into the digital world uh, in terms of delivery. So what is required is basically a professional methodology and a style has to be put in place so that the digital communications uh, happens uh, at university level that is fit for purpose for a globalized job. Yeah. Right. And um, just before we go, do you have any advice that you would give students out there who are about to embark on their uh, higher education journey? Is there anything that they should look out for? Yeah, so I, 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 I want to give advice to actually two parties, yeah, educators as well. So I'll start with the educators. I think uh, digital uh, pedagogy uh, is an emerging field and uh, uh, will also be an embellishment of uh, or two uh, face-to-face uh, learning and uh, this is a tipping point for all educators uh, and how they face the challenge of deploying uh, and, and sort of embracing digital uh, pedagogy. In terms of students, right, uh, the only advice I have for them is to ensure that they are good digital citizens uh, while they are in this journey of online or hybrid learning and to continuously digital detox themselves because they are now 
more than ever spending more hours on a digital screen uh, than before. So the digital detox of every single uh, uh, student is is of primary importance. I think that will help them with mental health uh, in this uh, uh, current situation and also in the future as well. Right, thank you for that, Professor. I've been speaking with Professor Dr. Vinish Tiruchelvam, Deputy Vice-Chancellor and Chief Innovation Officer at Asia-Pacific University of Technology and Innovation, also known as APU. Now, if you uh, would like to check out some of the courses or uh, have more information on uh, some of the things that Professor Vinish discussed on the show today, you can go uh, check out the APU website. That's apu.edu.org. My once again that's apu.edu.my and if you missed out on any part of this show you can go look for the podcast on our website that's bfm.my you can also find our podcast on the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play I'll be back again same time next week with more on Resource Centre till then this is Audrey Raj for Enterprise BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.